listening to Talking Law, the podcast where business owners just like you discover how to avoid legal landmines and build value using smart legal tips. Join your host, Joanna Oki, as she cuts through the legal jargon and gives you clear and simple actionable legal strategies, which will get you optimal business results. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to Talking Law, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, we are back with the second and last half of this two-part series with Aspect Legal's very own Yelena Milanovic. In this last half, Yelena and I drill into what a force majeure clause is and what they should include. We talk about extension of time and delays in building and construction contracts. And finally, we touch on change of law clauses and how this can affect construction contracts. Now, don't miss out on all of this and more. So sit back, relax, and here we go with our discussion with Yelena. Okay, so we've talked about pricing. What I'd really like to talk about next is force majeure because I think this is a really um, misunderstood concept Um, and actually uh, I I I feel like many people in the industry and far outside of the industry, you know, perhaps don't even really understand what it means and how it's meant to apply. So can you talk about what the force majeure clause is, the relevant the relevance of force majeure clauses within the building construction industry and how do they usually appear in the contracts? Yeah, sure. I mean, force majeure clauses were one of those things that were always in contracts, but no one really paid very much attention to them because, you know, they talked about things like wars and things like that, you know, as if that will have to happen, right? Um, But then COVID-19 happened and suddenly everyone was scrambling through their contracts trying to see, do we have a force majeure clause and and what does it say? So they've really come to to the forefront and everyone's talking about them. Um, But, you know, a force majeure clause really sets out a a set of circumstances um, that are usually unforeseen circumstances or unexpected things that allow you sort of pause your obligations under your contract um, for a period of time um, while that force majeure event is on foot. So sometimes they're really prescriptive and they set out exactly what a force majeure event is. And sometimes they're much broader. They just refer to, um, you know, certain events and and things that are generally not within, uh, you know, a party's reasonable control. So they can be worded any any number of ways and, you know, certainly it's probably more beneficial to the party who's providing the, the building services under the contract for it to be as broad as it, as it can be um, rather than necessarily very, very prescriptive. Um, but some of the things they should be capturing um, at, the, at the very least is, you know, uh, natural disasters, um, epidemics and pandemics and, and, you know, their effects as well. Uh, because what we've been seeing is that, you know, COVID-19, for example, um, might have some immediate things that might prevent you from from, um, completing your project. But then, you know, there's all these domino sort of effects that that have carried on that you might want to try and uh, stick under a force majeure uh, clause if you can, like, you know, uh, uh, these supply chain issues, um, uh, labour shortages and things like that. 
So, and and I guess stepping back, you know, perhaps if we explain to the listeners, because I find that this is, you know, as you say, force majeure clause that had rarely um, had much focus until the last couple of years. And it was, I found it fascinating because when we just had that moment in time in, in that March, April period where everything shut down a couple of years ago when COVID first hit, um, it, we got all of these these calls suddenly, hold on, explain this force majeure clause to me because, like, you know, this, this almost never seen clause before suddenly, you know, sprang to prominence and people wanted to know if they could enforce um, supply under their contracts, could they not so for enforce, were they going to be relieved of obligations in relation to time frame under the force majeure clause or not? Um, so so let's talk, though, about what it means. So we have got, we've got a force majeure clause that sits in a contract that says, if we have an event that that um, falls within the de- definition of force majeure, um, and that event happens, then you're generally you're relieved of um, of having to provide that supply or services for a set period of time. And the force majeure clause will specify what that period of time is, what the obligations are for both of the parties afterwards. Sometimes, sometimes they'll be very short. Sometimes they'll they'll be, you know, uh, involved. And one of the things, and, and is there anything else that you want to add, Yelena, to that sort of discussion of force majeure as a whole in, in relation to the meaning of it and the application of it in the building and construction industry? I suppose one of the things is, you know, don't assume um, that, uh, you know, if something happens that that there is a force majeure protection. It's really one of those sort of creatures of contract. So you have to have a force majeure clause in your contract to be able to rely on a force majeure event. And the other thing is don't assume that if you do have a force majeure clause that it'll just, uh, you know, suddenly apply if there's a force majeure event. There's usually some sort of trigger that you have to uh, make to try to uh, have the force majeure clause apply. And it's usually, you know, some sort of notice, some sort of notice that you have to comply with within a maybe a particular period of time that's specified under the contract. Um, yeah. So they're probably the two things that um, people should be wary of as well. And the other thing that I find is just the definition itself. Um, quite often I find people feel that force majeure must have its own absolute definition. And the reality is, as you said before, it's whatever the contract defines. So, you know, I find that that's something that people don't really necessarily think about before. And when you're setting contracts up, the importance of you thinking through, well, what might be an event that I want to be defined as force majeure? What might be these events that are outside of my control that I might then say I want to be ensure that if these things happened, I'm relieved of my obligation to supply for the period of time that I can't because of this event happening? You know, and usually I find the approaches in contracts are cut and paste without actually thinking through, well, what is the practical application of what we've actually got in here? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it has consequences, right? Um, Because a lot of the time a force majeure clause um, will, will give an entitlement to terminate the contract if it goes on for long enough. 
Um, so you really want to think about what are those force majeure events that I want to include and what are the consequences? Are the consequences just being able to sort of put a pause on the contract um, until the force majeure event um, sorts itself out? Or, you know, will the parties, one or both, uh, have a right to, to terminate at the end if it goes on for long enough? Yeah. And then, and I, I guess on the flip side of all of this, we're talking about how you should set up your contracts, you know, from the beginning now to ensure that you're properly protected. But this also equally applies to contracts that might be on foot. You know, it's important that, um, I, I guess, for you to understand if someone is using a force majeure clause um, in a supply relationship with you, it might be that they're not necessarily interpreting the clause in the right way. So don't just accept, you, you know, the um, notices under the clause if you haven't taken proper advice and aren't sure that you understand that, um, you know, the way a force majeure clause is being enacted is actually in accordance with the contract. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, a lot of the time, um, you know, builders, for example, or subcontractors are kind of like the meat in the sandwich, right? They've got this pressure, um, this upward pressure from their clients, but they're also relying on all of these supplies and they're relying on all of these um, subcontractors to deliver their obligations under the contract. Um, so I suppose another point that comes out of that is, you know, firstly, you are um, having someone that's trying to rely on a force majeure clause on you to make sure that, you know, you're looking at your contract upstream and seeing if you can sort of make similar sort of reliances there because it might affect your um, obligations to your clients. Uh, but, but also when you're setting up new contracts that you make sure that these clauses all sort of flow down in a back-to-back so you're not in a situation where you're stuck because you've got, for example, a supplier that's trying to, you know, rely on a force majeure clause and you've got nothing to rely upon when you're, um, you know, administering your contract with, with, your, with your client. Yeah. So, you know, it's probably something that people might start looking at again now with, with the floods that are happening. <laughs> Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right, so we've talked about pricing. We've talked about force majeure. Well, I think where I'd like to move to next is extension of time and delay because that sort of fits in well with all of the areas that we've been talking about before. Where does this, where where are the issues um, in, in contracts here and what should we be thinking about including in contracts to deal with that issue? Extension of time clauses are so important because in projects, you know, time is everything. Time is of, time is of the essence, as, as they say. Um, and a lot of the time, if you don't complete by in time, you know, you're gonna you're gonna be um, potentially liable for liquidated damages, and you know, they they can ratchet up every single day that 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 you're late. So making sure that you've got a clause in there that allows you to extend that end date for completion um, sufficiently is really important. Um, so I think the, the the key issue there is making sure that the events for which you can claim an extension of time are really broad enough to come up, cover the risks um, to you and your project. Mm, brilliant. Yeah. Okay. So um, we need to ensure that the extension of time clauses are broad enough. What else do we need to be thinking about? 
Um, so one of the things that, um, you know, catches people out a lot is uh, some of the really strict uh, compliance requirements in order to rely on, on um, an extension of time claim. So, you know, you can set up the extension of time claim really nicely and they can allow for all of these sorts of delays and you think you're covered. But, you know, in the everyday business of, of trying to administer a project and run a business, um, what we find is people usually um, can't comply with really strict notice provisions. So in a lot of these contracts, there is these multi-tiered notice provisions where you're having to provide a notice of the delay when it happens and then every couple of days afterwards, providing all sorts of supporting material um, and providing it on a really regular basis. So when you're entering into your contract, you know, really think about it. In my day-to-day practice, will I be able to comply with this clause? Will my project manager's be able to, you know, issue a notice within 24 hours of, of a delay occurring, or will I really kind of need a little bit more time than that? So that's really important. And then, you know, if you are in a contract already, just being aware um, of what those provisions are um, and making sure that the rest of your team are aware of those because, um you know, a lot of the time the contract will say things like if you don't comply with the notice provisions, then your entitlement to the extension of time um is 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 waived so you you don't have a right to an extension of time even though in substance it's probably a really valid claim mm, brilliant now uh, have we covered off everything with extension of time and delay or are there more things that we should be considering here the other thing to to probably keep in mind is is delay costs you know so if there's a delay are you entitled to time or are you also maybe entitled to costs um, and that's just the way to think about risk and how risk um, should be apportioned for, for a delay. Um, so f- for certain delays, you know, will you be entitled to uh, your, your overhead costs, for example, that are associated with continuing to run your business and keeping staff on um, while you're delayed? Um, and that might be to do with, with particularly with delays that are caused by, um, you know, the principal or the client, um, you know, their, their breaches or their failure to get their act together and, and allow you to perform the contract. So, you know, we found with, with COVID-19 and some of those sorts of um, delays, usually, you know, principals aren't that willing to give you time and money. Um, they're usually kind of just willing to give you time. But Delay costs is maybe something to keep in mind for those sorts of delays that are really, um, you know, the responsibility of of, of the principal or, or, or your client that they can control. Yeah, brilliant. So we've talked about pricing, we've talked about force majeure, we've talked about extension of time and delay. What else? Is there anything else that um, that we should be thinking about in terms of setting ourselves up for protection in these, you know, difficult times? The other one I would um, just briefly mention is is um, change in law clauses. So they were another one of these um, clauses that are often just thrown into contracts that no one really paid much attention to until COVID-19. But what we're seeing is that legislation and governments can really affect um, your project um, and they can affect, you know, your costs. So having an appropriately worded clause in there that allows you to claim costs if there is some unforeseen change in, in, in law, um, I think. And so what do these clauses look like? Let's talk about what they what they usually say, what what um what our listeners should be looking out for, and then what they should be thinking about in the application of the clauses. So what do they usually say? 
they usually talk about, you know, unforeseen things. So changes in law that couldn't have been reasonably anticipated uh, at the time that you entered into the contract. Mm. And they usually talk about, um, you know, uh, that you being entitled to claim your reasonable costs that result from those changes in, in legislation. Yeah. So okay. We had people, you know, relying on those sorts of clauses um, as a result of some of the, um, the changes that occurred um, in, during the COVID lockdowns, for example, um, and, and people were trying to get creative and, and, and rely on them. So what should what should our listeners then be doing, you know, now that they're aware of that as a potential issue, what can they do in their contracts? What should they be looking out for and making sure is added in? Yeah, so just making sure that, you know, there's a, there's, there is a change in law clause there um, and, and one that allows you to, that's broad enough that allows you to claim back costs um, if there is some sort of change in, in, um, in legislation later on. Because, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, COVID is kind of over, but it's not really. There, there could be a lot of other things that, that come into play um, now we're at this stage where we're deciding that we're living with COVID. Fabulous. Okay, wonderful. Well, look, there's so many things there that I think are practical things that our listeners can take away um, in the building construction industry for how to protect themselves um, in what is an uncertain period right now that will not, uh, I think, end up in great certainty in the very near future. You know, this is a period of time that will go on for a while. Um, and and I guess it's about taking the learnings and making sure you're implementing them into your contracts, getting the right advice, you know, um, if you're not sure how best to implement these into your contracts as a whole. And do you have any parting words for any of our listeners who are in the industry? Yeah, definitely. I think too often um, people just sort of accept the contract that's been given to them on a sort of take it or leave it basis. But I think especially now, um, after the last couple of years, um, you shouldn't be afraid to uh, read your contract and speak up if it doesn't reflect um, you know, your risk appetite and if it doesn't reflect what you really see as the deal that's been done between the parties. Because, you know, everything's... Um, Everything's great um, while everything's going great, but if um, if if things do turn pear shaped, then you'll, everyone will pull out the contract. Yeah, um, and we've exactly. seen that more in the last couple of years than than we have ever before. So that that's really the the key thing. Um, don't be afraid to try and negotiate because people are really expecting it now. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a really good point, and um, you know. Every now and again, I have clients who will say to us, well, I don't want to litigate anyway. What does it matter? I'm not going to sue anyone under this clause. But that's not that, that's not the point. The point is having strength in your contract so that you're in a power of negotiation if you're in a situation where you need to enact some of these clauses. Um, and, you know, some of the things you've talked about, Yelena, just really sensible anyway in terms of reviewing whether we're using fixed price, what other ways can we look at doing this, um, you know, and just even understanding some of those unusual clauses like force majeure um, that we all feel a little bit more knowledgeable about now. Yeah, unfortunately so, yes. Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Well, look, I just want to say a huge thank you for coming on to the show today, Yelena. 
Um, and a huge call out, um, you know, uh, to you for your expertise in this subject and to our listeners, um, if you would like some advice in relation to setting up these contracts for yourself or understanding clauses that are in contracts that you're already committed to or indeed dealing with issues that may have come up along the way, you can reach Yelena um, at Aspect Legal by booking yourself in a time to speak with our legal eagle team and just mention that you're after our specialist advice in the building and construction industry. Yelena, I just want to say a huge thank you for coming on to the show today. No worries. It was my pleasure. Well, that's it for this episode, which was part two of our two-part series with Yelena from our very own Aspect Legal, talking all about building and construction contracts. Now, I hope you enjoyed the second and last half of this podcast series, and make sure you catch more valuable topics around this area and around the legal tips and tricks for law generally in talking law. Now, if you're interested in talking to our lawyers, about anything related to this topic, then head over either to our website at aspectlegal.com.au or to the show notes where you can find a link straight to booking a free 15-minute discussion with our legal team. Well, that's it. Thanks again for listening in. This has been Joanna Oki and Talking Law, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Our team at Aspect Legal specialises in providing trademark registrations and general advice on brand protection and commercialisation for companies and individuals based anywhere in the world. So if you work in creating brands or logos for businesses, or if indeed you're a business needing assistance in protecting your brand, we offer a free 15-minute consultation with one of our lawyers to discuss how we can help you or your client. We also provide free trademark packs if you want to get a bit of an understanding of the process and the timelines. And of course, we do more than just trademark registrations. We work with our clients on a range of issues to assist them in making their trademarks work for them. So if you want to find out more, pop us an email at trademarks at aspectlegal.com.au or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au to book in a free consultation with one of our specialist lawyers. Thanks for listening to Talking Law. Tune in next time for more smart legal tips and tricks to keep you clear of those legal landmines. If you want to get a download of today's show notes, head over to talkinglaw.com.au. Information in this podcast is general in nature, not legal advice. If you want advice for your business, visit talkinglaw.com.au.